You're listening to Women Heard, presented by New York Women in Communications. I'm your host, Julie hockheiser Ilkovich. We are beyond thrilled to share this episode of the podcast, which features an incredible conversation about intergenerational communications. Workplaces are intergenerational, and everyone who works in one place doesn't necessarily communicate in the same way, or even have that much in common. This panel of experts tackles this topic, discussing how to bridge the communication gaps between generations in the workplace. This is one of my favorite conversations we have featured on the podcast, and it is filled with tips and advice on what all generations can learn about communicating effectively in the workplace. Did you know that there are five generations in the workplace? I didn't. Just that fact makes this conversation so vital. You'll also hear tons of incredible anecdotes about intergenerational communications that are both educational and entertaining. This panel was originally part of New York Wiki's 2021 Student Career Bootcamp, which is relaunching this year as an exciting new event, the Communications Bootcamp. The 2022 Communications Bootcamp is an exclusive event for rising students and early professionals, and it will feature industry icons and speakers discussing the tools, skills, and expertise young women need to develop their career and to succeed in today's dynamic communications industry. This event will be held on Monday, November 7th, 2022 at the Spotify headquarters in New York City. For more information and to register, go to nywiki.org. That's nywiki.org. We hope you'll join us. And we'd love for you to continue to support our podcast by subscribing, as well as rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platforms. It really does help when you do this, so thank you so much for supporting us. Enjoy this episode, and thanks for listening. My name is Georgia Galanudis. I'm the executive vice president of media at HIMSS and the president-elect of New York Women in Communications. I want to take a moment before we kind of kick it off to remind folks to use the chat function to add some questions. And as we did with the last panel, we will have a few moments at the end to answer some questions to the meat of the content. Um, As of 2021, workers from four generations are currently active in the workplace. We've got baby boomers, millennials, Gen X and Gen Z, and each generation, as we know, comes with their own work style and their own way of communicating at work. Like whether you like to chat on the telephone or uh, Slack, or do a little bit of everything all at the same time. I know I find myself on Zoom, Slacking, texting, and monitoring social media sometimes all in the span of the same sort of five minutes, which I wouldn't recommend anyone to do. But how do we all get the work done when we're in workforces where we've got individuals that have this incredible range of ages coming together, the digital natives, the folks that might still be learning, those that are very comfortable digitally and those that maybe are not. And what happens 
if they speak up, um, if they're not comfortable with how their employer or the culture within the organization is functioning for them, is that a situation where they need to quit? Do they need to change careers? Can they actually impact the type of cultural change in their environment to make it work for all of us? Um, and Gen Z, as we know, coming up, and I'm a parent of a couple of Gen Zers, um, they're independent, creative, and really are demanding all of us uh, operate and function in a whole new way for all of us, which is, is just incredible. And, um, and I think the conversation before about how each of us use social media to inf influence um, the folks around us and, and make a mark with our own brand is really, really fascinating. So I have this distinguished panel that we're gonna have a chat about how these generations function sometimes well, sometimes maybe with some challenges in the workplace. So what are some of the dynamics? How can we all best communicate across the generations to ensure that we have a supportive environment, a transparent environment, an environment that really is welcoming for everybody in every step of the way. I'm gonna let each of the panelists introduce themselves and I'll kind of go around the room. I'll start with you, Joanna. And I'm gonna ask you to introduce yourself briefly and take the opportunity to tell us all here one of the biggest challenges that you've encountered in your career when it's come to communicating with team members that may have not been of the same generation. Thank you so much, Georgia. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Dr. Joanna Massey. I've spent 30 years in communications, uh, running PR departments, mostly in the media industry, corporate communications and publicity, crisis comms, managing brand reputation management, corporate, so corporate social responsibility. Currently, I am a consultant. Uh, I'm also a board director. I sit on public company boards. And I've written a couple of books uh, and I, I do corporate speaking. And I'm going to correct you, Georgia, we have five generations in the workplace because the silent generation is still in the workforce. And the silent generation was born between 1928 and 1945. And you need only look at our current president, um, several of the executives in the entertainment industry, finance, uh, healthcare. There are many people in their late 70s, mid to late 70s, who have not left the workforce and don't intend to. Uh, and it's causing quite a logjam. So uh, I think that um, one, of the, one of the funniest stories and one of the, that I've, I've had the, that I have in terms of communicating in, in with multiple generations in the workplace is actually the story that I lead to kick off my book, Culture Shock. And I had a millennial employee. We, it was uh, early December. We decided that we were going to throw a investor day, which is a very big deal for a public company. We're going to throw an investor day for the first time in the history of the company, and we were going to do it on January 8th. And that gave us five weeks over a holiday to plan it with a team that had, except for me, had never planned an event before. And um, I pulled my staff into the office. I sat them down. I told them what we were about to do. And one of my millennial employees looked up to me and she said, but I need me time over the holiday. And I thought, you know, the doctor in my name is a doctor of psychology, and I also have an MBA. So fortunately, I know um, I, I have a, I occasionally have a pause button. Thank God I had it then in that moment. 
you know, and I paused because I needed her. I, I, and I, and she had a point and I'm a Gen Xer and I got to tell you something, I've never asked for me time in my life. And I was jealous. So, um, you know, I, I paused and I said, I get that. And we're going to get a lot of me time if this doesn't go well, because we're going to get fired. So I'll tell you what, and we worked out a compromise and she was in Europe and she, she worked and she, she did great work for us. And we didn't, she didn't spend her whole vacation working. Like we worked out a good compromise um, that we were both happy with. That's fantastic. As a fellow Gen Xer, I can empathize with that. We have a lot to learn from the younger generation. That's for sure. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Jennifer, I'm going to ask you next, introduce yourself and um, give us also a tale of one of your biggest challenges. Hello, everybody. I'm Jennifer Davidson, and I'm EVP of Communications at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And I have been doing this a long time. <laughs> and I, you know, when you get into the how many years, ooh, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, I have done everything. A lot of my history is in television and television production and the PR that goes around that. And crisis comms, corporate comms, entertainment, show specific. Um, and then in the last couple of years, moved over to the Academy and focusing on film and the Oscars and things like that. And I would say, I see it every day, all day. Um, you know, we, the Academy is 93 years old and there are, there's the silent generation is there. And God bless, and I'm so glad because we have an archive, we have a library, we have history with people who are brilliant and know it, I can call them and they are, they, they have it right here. And so I think it's about, it is every day. And so who's on the phone, who's in front of you, who are you emailing? And you just sort of take a pause, that pause, Pausing is not my strong suit, but I've learned that over time. Take that pause and say, who am I talking to? Let's meet everybody where they're at and let's find the language we have to use. Because the truth is I'm not 25. And, and but I respect the 25 and I respect the 35. And, and so I think we just have to put ourselves in people's shoes. Where are they? And how do you show that respectfully? That, that's been a great learning uh, opportunity for me. That's wonderful to hear that as we all learn every day. Carolina, would you give us your introduction? Yeah, of course. Um, thank you so much, Georgia, again, for having me here and join this panel with this uh, amazing women uh, with me. Uh, I'm Carolina Rincon Sato. I'm a senior vice president at Edelman in the multicultural division. Um, I actually it's been in Edelman for six years, but I've been in the multicultural space my entire career. I did it on purpose. I'm originally from Colombia and uh, really wanted to connect and stay connected to my culture. And so when I um, decided to, to start my career, I really focused on the multicultural space. I started in a Hispanic advertising agency that gave me so much exposure to so many different clients, uh, you know, you know, 500, Fortune 500 companies. Um, 
But when I got there, I basically built a family. A lot of the colleagues that I had were um, similar age um, and, you know, still a little bit of a diversity, but a lot of us had similar experiences. Uh, and as I moved my career uh, and changed uh, into different companies, I realized um, obviously not only the, the generational changes, but also um, diversity and what that brings into, into teams uh, and overall environments. Um, so for me, I think you asked, you know, one of those biggest challenges that I've encountered. Um, I've had uh, two examples that I would love to share. One is the generational piece, which is, um, you know, I had a, uh, when I started managing more junior staff, um, I got the chance to, to meet with a Gen Z. Um, and when we talked about, uh, <laughs> was precisely on, on time management and what work-life balance really meant for both of us, right? For me, work-life balance means you get into the office on time, you focus your entire office time and you move on because in my case, I have a family and I, you know, where my mom had afterwards uh, for my Gen Z colleague, she was very smart, had a lot to bring to the conversation, but her time management slash work-life balance meant she had her ideas at 8 p.m. Uh, you know, and so we had to, like to your point, Jennifer had to adjust. And I think the biggest challenge was assuming, sometimes we assume we're all communicators, right? But sometimes we forget to have that initial conversation uh, where we tend to assume uh, we all have the same expectations or the same experiences and, and that's not the case. Uh, so that's one experience. And another one that I'll say just, very quickly was with a teammate. It wasn't a generational change, but it was a, um, a challenge when it comes to um, my diverse background and the fact that I have an accent. I had someone that just didn't get me. Um, perhaps my accent was too strong. Um, everybody else understood me, but she didn't. Um, and there were moments where when I had, for example, a client conversation, etc., I had to uh, communicate in her facial reactions towards me was uh, of not understanding. Um, that made me feel very uncomfortable. And so until I finally addressed it, I was able to then get to that next level and be able to have a, a stronger communication with, with her and the team as a whole. But those, I just wanted to share, those are also challenges, right? When we think about generational challenges, we're also thinking about you know, the different experience that we all bring and where we all come from, our different backgrounds that make us who we are. I love that you were able to confront her clearly and, and settle it and find a way to move on. That's I will powerful. say that I will say that I did it uh, later. I, it took me six months and I'll say that's advice for whoever is listening uh, to do it as early as possible because then that um, it really impacts the, the way that you communicate with others. Wonderful. That's great advice. Um, Shadea, I'd love to hear from you. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm enjoying listening to everyone's journey. Um, my name is Shadea Christoph Garcia, and I oversee audience and community marketing at Forbes. Um, I do predominantly work on marketing as it relates to uh, different communities like our under 30, our uh, Forbes women, our small business. 
um, our DNI focused communities and really trying to drive audience to um, different Forbes experiences. Uh, I love what everyone had to say about uh, the different generations. I think for me, uh, stepping foot into media for the first time, the first challenge that I, I found that I faced was really centered around access. I didn't have a network. I didn't have people in my family that knew anyone in media. It seemed very much uh, like a television type job that you just saw, uh, you know, these girls going to these magazine companies and you didn't really know how to get an in. And at that time, a lot of recruiters were very, um, bullish in their approach. And it was very much like, a, if you don't know someone, you're not going to get in. I, I had recruiters tell me that. So I think for starters, um, when you don't have that network, and that's definitely advice for these people, for, for everyone listening and tuning in, is that a network of people that can kind of help you from the ground up is, is critical, because it makes it much more difficult if you don't come from those type of spaces where you are going to have someone um, open a door for you, um, especially as it relates to your family and your friend circle and your network in general. Um, I think for me, um, one of the challenges I noticed right out the gate is I looked very young for my age. Um, and I think right off the get uh, off the gate, if people look at you and they feel like you're young, I was young, black, female. So there was a lot of things that people I think automatically uh, did not feel that I brought to the table coming into this space. It was automatically presumed that I didn't know what I was talking about, that I didn't necessarily know or have the tools um, to succeed. In, and I found that being perceived younger was almost like a older brother, you know, younger brother dynamic where people automatically felt like, you know, this girl could couldn't possibly know X, Y, and Z. So I felt that I had to actually work harder uh, than than some of my counterparts and my colleagues just to make sure that I was over delivering um, and creating opportunities for myself so that I wouldn't get passed passed by. So I'm super looking forward to this conversation, but um, I definitely think it's still a challenge and, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing, hearing more for sure. I think that's very powerful, Shade, that you have um, the, the presence of mind to be able to reflect on yourself and recognize that, right, that you may be perceived as being young and possibly inexperienced and, and think about how you might work against that. Um, Tamara, um, close us out uh, with your story. Yeah, so thanks so much for having me, George, on this panel with so many amazing women. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Tamara Thal. I currently work at IBM. I started working here last October, um, where I was doing external communications, and just this week actually transitioned to internal communications. Um, and so because I'm still so early on in my career, I did want to touch a little bit on my journey to IBM. So I'm from South Florida. Uh, I moved about four hours north of my hometown to study public relations at UF. Um, during my time there, I gained a lot of experience experience in different areas. I first interned at a small nonprofit um, in Gainesville where I was doing communications for an environmental sustainability brand. Um, I next uh, interned in DC where I was working with the Truth Initiative, um, a quite larger uh, nonprofit. And then the next summer, that's when I got to uh, work at IBM doing corporate communications. And then, of course, I loved all the work that I was doing. So I accepted the full-time offer. And before that offer, I had a summer free. So I decided to intern for BCW Global, New York City, um, where I was doing corporate communications as well. So I've had a long journey um, in PR in my early professional career, and I look forward to speaking um, to you more about my experience at IBM. And then to answer your question, Georgia, my biggest challenge. So 
for me as the Gen Zer, this might cause funny, but my biggest challenge working with people much older than me is actually how I speak. So certain words or phrases that are very prevalent in Gen Z spaces, if I were to say them during a meeting with my older colleagues, I'd probably get a lot of blanks faces or stares. Um, so for example, in Gen Z spaces, we'll say things like bet, high key, or I'm dead, or I'm screaming when we find something funny. Um, and also things that we text um, are also starting to take form in how we speak. So I'll catch myself saying things like LOL out loud if I find something funny or retweet to like show that I agree with someone. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that's not a thing in other generations. So <laughs> things like that, I have to catch myself a lot. Brandy gets it. I think she actually speaks like that a lot also. But um, for the most part though, I would say that I haven't had any issues with the actual work side of interacting with colleagues of different generations. Um, I think the thing that makes it fine at IBM particularly is that many of my older colleagues are very open when it comes to learning how to navigate social media, for example. So it's always just been like, oh, I teach you, to, you teach me type of thing. Um, and then on the flip side, I would even say that um, one of my challenges is looking at things too much with a Gen Z eye. So I often have to catch myself and take a step back and say, you know, who is our actual target audience for this campaign? Because, you know, when you work for a B2B tech company, it's usually not going to be a young Gen Z, young Gen Z like myself. So yeah, uh, you know, although I definitely teach my older colleagues a thing or two, I'm also on the learning path of you know, how does their generation think and how can I communicate with different audiences? Absolutely, that's fantastic. And anyone who is marketing and communicating, right? That's sort of lesson one, number one, right? To put yourself in, in your audience's shoes. Um, um, I, I really appreciate everybody's perspective. What an amazing group of women. And um, I'm, we don't have a lot of time, uh, but I have some very specific questions for each of you. Um, Dr. Joanna Massey, I want to start with you. You've written a book about how generations can effectively communicate. What advice do you give employers and their staff generally when you're brought in to help foster effective communication across the ages? A lot of times I'm brought in to speak with the older generation. I'm talking to the management, to the executive team, the C-suite even. And so I'm talking to people who are anywhere from 45 on the young end to 65, 70, 75 plus. And one of the things I like to remind them is that you raise them. Now you have to live with them in the workplace. And because one of the things I hear a lot is a lot of pushback and generation shaming. Generation shaming is absolutely a thing. It, it happens every generation, by the way. You can go back to the way the silent generation treated the baby boomers who were the hippies, right? If you were, if you think about studying the 60s and how the hippies were, were treated and were talked about by the older generations, you know, so, and, and the hippies are now the baby boomers who are the one looking at the millennials and Gen Zers going, why do they want to change everything? You know, so I like to say to them, look, you gave them these ideals. You taught them work-life balance. You taught them do as I say, not as I do. You told them to not go and work 24-7, 365. And then they brought that into the workforce and the boomers are like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. That's totally okay if you're my kid, but not when you're my employee. Guess what? It doesn't oh, work that way. That's brilliant. Brilliant. So a lot of what I do is, um, and I do it in the book in Culture Shock, but I do it when I speak with corporations and, and C-suite and, and everything. I go in there and I tell them, here's your generation, here's the boomers, here's the Xers, here's the, and I, and I remind them what was happening when they grow up, grew up, 
right? And I, and I talk to them about why they are the way they are in business. And then I give them tools for a first understand, understand somebody else's perspective, right? Understand their, their, um, the era in which they raised alone is a huge impact on how people think and perceive the world, you know, and then back it up from there with, you know, key communications tools. That's fantastic. I, I love that. Um, Moving to Shardaya, you you mentioned how oftentimes you're perceived as sort of looking young. And I know you've had such a fantastic career journey. Um, you're now at Forbes, you've, but you've been at Amex and, and Time Inc. Talk to us a little bit about what you do when you come into a new environment and you've got to sort of settle yourself in. And if you've encountered any generational tensions, how have you learned to navigate those waters? Yeah, I think that um, right out the gate, one of the things that especially young people that are eager and excited, especially fresh out of college, like they come into the workforce and they want to change everything, right? They have all these new ideas and they just want to kind of put their stamp on it. And I think that although that energy is super um, exciting and fresh and it's great, if you don't have the right manager that is going to take that and receive that, um, it can go all the way left for you. So I would almost encourage uh, the generation that is coming in that might be younger to take a step back, recognize that you might not have all the answers to everything, learn from those who were here before you, understand the players, understand why things are the way they are, how things are set up, and really position yourself as an ally instead of an adversary. Because if you can align yourself with, and, and Tamara, you said the same thing that, and I love to hear that you're doing that in, in practice, but that's exactly it. It's aligning yourself um, as someone that they can feel open and warm, that, that you're on their side. And then that way, when you have ideas, they're much more receptive to them. And they are willing to say, you know what, let me teach you something, you teach me something. And I think that has been the route I've been taking a lot throughout my career is not going in full force. Um, and even if I see, and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. Why are they doing it like this? I take a step back and I say, okay, check yourself, you don't know everything, learn from those around you. And then really, um, I think that when you start implementing those changes, you're going to have allies that are gonna work with you. Um, and I think the only other piece of that that I would say is also recognizing that sometimes when you come into the workforce, these big titles seem so impressive. And as you've been there, and I'm sure the rest of these my panelists can, can align with this, not everybody knows what they're doing at the top. Not everybody with these big titles have it figured out. And the reality is, if you're not necessarily getting the support that you need from your manager, you may have to take a step back and get support elsewhere to elevate. You have to really look at this from an individualistic approach sometimes and say, okay, what is my career journey? What do I want my next chapter to be? And if your manager or your boss isn't supporting you to get there, try to tap into outside resources like New York Wiki to help take you to that next step because eventually you might end up being in a much more senior position and your, your, your boss is gonna be looking to you for insight. So I would say those are probably the two areas that I, I would focus on right out the gate coming into new spaces. Such terrific advice, Sade. I mean, really spot on. Um, Jennifer, um, you've had a really fantastic career being a publicist in your 20s, your 30s, um, you know, a, a young working mom and graduating through the ranks. Um, 
Can you share a little bit, a couple of experiences that you may have found sort of on either end of your spectrum, whether it was when you were young mom trying to cope with the world around you that you were in as you were paving your way, or now as you're a little bit more seasoned, the reactions that you may, be, you may have against you in, in your working environment? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, when I started, I was, you know, 22 right out of college and and working at NBC and within five months handling, I mean, this is in the nineties um, and, and that was a good time to be there and, you know, handling big top 10 shows and people are like, wait, how old are you? And, and you get this hot shot reputation um, and people can't believe you're only 22. And so you're riding this high and then you start to get older and older. And of course you're a hotshot, you should be, you're 30, you've been doing this eight years. You know, and so the bloom is off the rose and you work your way up and then you, you know, the reality is, and I, I think my fellow panelists would agree, um, women are amazing and we know what we're doing, but it is still tough business out there getting the men on board to understand that yes, we are threat. <laughs> and yes, we do mean business. So, you know, then you become, you, you get married or you don't, or you start to have kids and you start to see some biases, which I'm sure everybody in it for different reasons have had biases and, and you see how difficult it can be and um, opinions of what a working mother will mean for the company. And it's not necessarily seen as a positive. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but you do have to just sort of, there's a part where you keep the blinders on just to get the job done. And, you know, my father, may he rest, always had said to me, you know, kid, just show up and do the job and you'll look like a genius because so many people are phoning it in. And it's true. And you mentioned that about people in these big leadership positions who aren't leaders. They want the title and they want the power, but they're actually not leading and they're not powerful because they're not affecting any change. So I just have always been like, what's my goal? And um, you know, now I'm 27 years in <laughs> and you know, it's exciting. I was, I was getting to this point where I was getting bored and I was like, I, this can't be it. I just don't know what this is and decided very late in my career or midway that I just needed to do a sharp left. And so I moved into a different area of the business completely. The academy is other level on so many, on so many fronts. And I'm now in the job that I love the most out of my whole career. And I never thought I'd be able to say that. So, you know, you have to sort of just do the work and if you're really doing the work and you're elevating your voice because you're doing that work well, you just sort of stealth bomb your way through it. And before you know it, it's true, you know, and you, and you just work your way through and then people are listening and people invite you to conversation. And, you know, my job isn't just head of comms. It's you're advising, you're giving opinion on things that have nothing to do with comms because everything eventually has to do with comms. Everything comes back to, what are we saying inside? What are we saying outside? So my recommendation is just you do you, 
And um, I'm also careful what I share in the office. So that's my little nugget of truth. That's great. Um, it's obviously served you well. Congratulations for finding such a fulfilling job. It's yeah. wonderful. I know we're a little pressed on time. Oh, that's my alarm going off. Um, but I want to give both Carolina and Tamara an opportunity to ask, uh, answer a question that I have for each of them. Carolina, you know, you spoke earlier about your involvement with um, marketing to such diverse audiences and, and bringing comms into community of, communities of color in positive ways. Can you talk a little bit how you work with your teams effectively to get across not only the generational divide in your marketing, but also the diversity that sometimes can be challenging, as you mentioned earlier, for some people to really get it? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I'll make it as quickly as I can. I think it may, it may sound very simple, right? Because like the reality is that no one size fits all, right? And when you really think about, um, we always talk about building trust. Um, you know, as communicators, we try to help brands build trust in everything that we do, right? And it starts with really going deep on who your audience is, right? Again, it's, it sounds very simple, but when you think about who are you connecting and who are you wanting to engage and build a relationship with, you need to go deeper, right? When you think about Gen Z, it's not just Gen Z. Gen Z is 49 uh, percent uh, multicultural. So again, half of all Gen Zs are multicultural. And when you think that way, then you start realizing that it's not an experience that fits everyone. When you think about Gen Z and you perhaps think like my target is a male, it's, uh, it can be a Latino who's also from African descent, who may be queer, right? So then you start, you know, again, thinking about all those layers and realizing that audience, it truly makes understanding the audience and understanding what's meaningful to each individual, to each uh, group that you're trying to engage is what's key, right? And then you think about what, how can I align my values? Are my values aligning to those in my audience, right? And if not, then why not, right? And how can we get there? And how can we make sure that we are connecting in a deeper level, right? And then aside from that, from a multicultural side, right? Aside from the generational pieces, who are those voices carrying the message, right? Uh, who Are they representing the communities that you really are engaging, right? Are they, um, are they not only um, connected to the community, but are they building, helping you build that credibility, right? So that's another piece. Um, I, you know, it, again, I've done multicultural work since I started, and I really think it's key to um, bring experts of the communities into the conversation too, right? It's bringing the outside in, it's understanding that we're, we're really trying to connect deeply with different audiences, whether it's through generations or again, diverse communities is how do we make sure that we do it in a way that is authentic, that really is, it, it builds that trust again across. And that's by bringing experts, bringing leaders in the community to, to help you, you know, shape what that strategy truly looks like. And, and again, it's like taking a step back. I think a lot of you guys have said this before too, is take a step back and are you really listening? Are you really understanding what, uh, what these audiences uh, need, right? 
Mm, that's fantastic. Um, yes, a lot of listening and empathy being uh, echoed here. Tamara, round us out here. You know, you've been uh, at IBM now and um, you've been able to navigate working across generations. You've already shared with us some of the colorful ways in which that is cropping up in your work environment. Um, can you teach us an, another thing or two about what you and your colleagues have been learning along the way? Yeah, so I had something prepared, but Carolina actually made me think of something that I've sort of embraced since being at IBM, a, a company that is just a lot more older people than I am. So one thing I appreciate about my generation, Gen Z, is that we're very loud. Um, we're very outspoken about <laughs> um, a lot of multicultural topics, um, inclusivity, diversity. Um, and sometimes I find that our generation Although we're loud in the streets, we may try to tone it down in the office um, because we're not sure if we should speak up or if this is, you know, not appropriate for the office. But, um, you know, one thing I've appreciated about being at IBM and just embracing my voice a little bit more um, is that, you know, many other generations, they may not be aware of certain terminology that may not be appropriate now. Um, and because as Gen Z, we're embracing these topics, we're having these conversations, um, it's our duty, in my opinion, to speak up when we see something that isn't right or, you know, hear something that may not, may strike a nerve. So, you know, even in my, you know, my interactions, I've had to call things out and that's fine. Um, you may feel like you're stepping on a few toes, but what's right is right. And if you, you know, have the opportunity to you know speak up about certain situations i always encourage you to do so um and then and then lastly in terms of navigating uh office where you know people are much older than you i would just recommend finding your tribe um I, and i don't mean this as isolate yourself but more so um just to build a community you know uh, i know it's often scary when people don't seem to look like you or think like you but you know when you find people for example your cohort that you entered with um, uh, do happy hours with them once a month or if your company offers employee resource groups do they have one for early professional hires maybe try to join that and i think that'll make your time you know a lot smoother because you have other people who you can talk to Oh, that's wonderful. I love your courage, Tamara. I always say, if you see something, you need to say something, right? It's how you keep, keep true to yourself. Thank you, everyone, so much. I, before we break, I want to introduce Amanda Gordon. Amanda is a two-time, I believe, New York Wiki scholarship winner. Is that correct, Amanda? And you're graduating, graduating this year from Tisch School of the Arts in New York City. And I think you've done, a, what I've learned is you've done an amazing job at finding yourself an internship at TikTok. So I, I'm just really thrilled to have you, Amanda. If you want to just introduce yourself and take, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you found your way into your internship, because I'm sure everybody would love to hear that. And I think we have one question um, that we can surface and ask the panel. Um, yeah, I'm a senior. I go to NYU and I'm studying film and Tish. Um, I interned at TikTok this summer um, and I just found that internship from, um, I'm a pretty like type A person. So I like have this whole spreadsheet of internships to apply to. So out of the many <laughs> ones that um, I was applying to, I ended up getting an interview and did a couple of rounds of interviews there and got to intern there over the summer, um, which was really great. Um, but yeah, the question that we had 
uh, from one of the audience members is when you are in a work setting where your backgrounds or culture may be hard for other colleagues to understand, what is the best way to approach the situation and how can this be addressed in your workplace overall? What a great question. Um, I, I'd love to, uh, Tamara, do you want to answer that question? Yeah, sorry, can you repeat the question? <laughs> yeah, when you are in a work setting where your backgrounds or culture may be hard for other colleagues to understand, what is the best way to approach the situation and how can this be addressed in your workplace overall? Um, I, I think when you're in a situation where where that's happening, I would honestly recommend to just provide examples, uh, you know, providing support for how you feel or a point that you want to bring up always helps. So, you know, I'm not sure that's actually happened to me yet, but in the scenario that that did, I would, I would bring up something that's happened in the past to try to support why I feel the way I do. Um, or, you know, obviously statistics are always going to help as well. So uh, statistics, uh, personal examples, things that have happened in the past, those are things that I always try to lean on to. That's fantastic advice, right? Bringing it back to something very concrete that takes it out of the abstract. Does anyone else on the panel like to share on that particular question? Shadea, you're ready yeah. to go, yeah. I, I think that's a great question. I think we're in a different time now. Um, and I think that uh, Tamara brought up a really great point about uh, this generation and the space that we're in right now, especially uh, post COVID, you know, the death of George Floyd, there's a, a very different space in corporate America. And it's a space that I haven't seen throughout my entire career where um, being true to yourself um, and say it's and being vocal about your true feelings about certain topics, being open about your culture, being open about your race, being open about things that are affecting you specifically, you know, as a black woman, as, you know, a, a gay or LGBTQ uh, a member, like there are things that uh, are very different, I think, right now than in years past. And I think that if you're in a space where you feel that your culture or your race or something um, that shouldn't be, uh, playing a significant role in a negative way is affecting your job works or affecting your role. I feel like you owe it to yourself to speak up, to advocate for yourself, to advocate for those around you. And we're in a space right now where people have to listen, right? Um, I think whether they're doing it for a genuine uh, care or they're doing it because of PR and ops, like they have to listen. So I think that take advantage of this moment and speak up. If you are in a space where you're not, you feel like you are not being seen um, or you are not um, having a seat at the table, create a seat, speak up, talk. Um, and I think that is very important now more than ever because people are being forced to listen and they're, they're being forced to kind of take a stance in one direction or the other. So if you wanna be that manager that is causing an employee that kind of uh, grief, understand that you're gonna to have to be able to back that up with HR and the leaders and the PR team and all of that. So um, I, I think it's, it's now's the time to kind of be honest about those feelings and not, and not hold back because that's the only way you're gonna really see change. I love it. Honesty, transparency, empathy, all of these fabulous words that we as women can really excel at in the workforce. I love it. Thank you all so much for participating in this really fascinating panel. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Georgia. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
You've been listening to Women Heard, presented by New York Women in Communications. I'm your host, Julie hockheiser Ilkovich. Thank you to the amazing team that works on this podcast. Chelsea Orcutt, Elizabeth Roberts, Chrisanne Grizay, Mandy Carr, Shania Anderson, and Alex Fetter, who wrote our original theme music. And thank you to everyone at New York Wiki for helping us and for supporting our show. For more information about Women Heard, go to nywiki.org slash podcast. That's nywici.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening.